Welcome to the Rainbow Bull with Tim Volk from T. Volk and Company Consulting. In this podcast, Tim, a proud member of the LGBTQ community, discusses a range of topics around the five capitals of a flourishing family, human, intellectual, social, spiritual, and financial capital. Tim will use this framework as he and his guest experts delve into the secrets of the wealthy and how we might learn from them. So let's get started on this exciting adventure together. Eat, play, travel. Hey, that's a trio I think most of us could live with. Welcome back to the Rainbow Bull and Tim Volk's conversation with a guest who does all that and gets paid to do it. Tim, tell us more about Kristen Oliveri. Well, Kristen is as some of you may have heard on the last podcast that she and I had together that uh, we're good friends. I think she's one of the most elegant, charming, beautiful uh, people I know. And uh, it's just been a pleasure to have her as a friend. She also has a very strong career in journalism where she has led, uh, as I've known her in her career, several roles in the wealth management space, both from an editorial standpoint, event standpoint, bringing families, family offices together, networking. And I think in her latest role as the editor of Crane Currency, she really does uh, what I would say builds the content, finds great stories, really helps to highlight and and to bring those voices to life that maybe we don't hear about in the ultra high net worth space. And that's, you know, one of the prides and joy of her role, but as she'll tell you and hope she does this career has led her to have a whole side passion around luxury travel, uh, food, and I don't know, lifestyle is what I'd like to say. And my mom, plus thinks, wine, plus wine, <laughs> Wine. Oh yeah. <laughs> Welcome, Kristen. Hi. <laughs> what would you add to that? How else would you describe it? I mean, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, lifestyle, luxury, but I, if the three core pillars are food, wine, travel. Yeah. If I had yeah. to tattoo it on my yeah. food, wine, travel. <laughs> so I was thinking about, you know, eat, pray, love. And I was thinking, oh, that could have been her. So when I was writing this and I and I started to write our outline and, and that stuff, I was like, that could so easily have been you. I just thought, well, I'd do a play on that and eat, play, and travel. But that movie captures my heart and because it does all the things that we would you know, check on the box. You and I both love travel. And I would say luxury travel, although I'm not traveling on the budget of our the families I serve, but but I think that's one of the things we're going to talk about is how do we travel and see and experience the things that others may get to do? And what have you learned in that? Also about the food, because you and I love food and uh, I'm married to an Italian, you're Italian, you're married to an Italian. And my Mm -hmm. husband, when we were in Italy this summer, with this driver in Positano, and I was telling the driver, I said, you know, my husband thinks pasta is a food group. And he goes, because it is. Absolutely. Separate food group. And I said, well, you know, I just don't know that we can always eat pasta. He says, if you have a day without pasta, it's like a day without the breath. So it's a day without the air. (laughs) Sometimes you need two dishes of pasta to survive because you need more air in the day. 
I've got a new sauce recipe that's going to blow your mind, and I will share that with you soon. <laughs> I love it. Johnny was making Ina Garden or uh, some sauce last night, some chicken, and, and he had made pasta the night before. He was in this whole her cookbook going crazy. I don't know what prompted all of it, but we had a weekend of great food. Delicious. So tell me, how did you get into the travel space, and how did you all of a sudden figure out that this was sort of your gig, your side passion. Yeah. So I, I had all intentions of coming out of college with a journalism degree, you know, liberal arts to the nth degree, right. Journalism, English lit theater. And I wanted to write about the arts, um, particularly food, wine, and travel, uh, and maybe even, you know, a, a play here and there and be, you know, a theater critic, what have you. These were my grand visions for what after college would look like. Um, I found my way into the family office wealth management space. And I, as I shared with you earlier, um, when I was interviewing for the position and to be a reporter on a wealth management publication where I barely understood what wealth management was, um, I was told it, it's, it's sort of a personality fit um, because you needed to understand the nuances of the industry and how do you talk to these folks? It's not over a coffee or over the phone, maybe a coffee, but it's over a long lunch. It's over a cocktail. You're going to a nice hotel. Um, and when I sort of heard those parameters, I thought, oh, well, that family office wealth management is for me. Uh, so I sort of chugged <laughs> along that path being my day job. But I never gave up food, wine, and travel. From the get-go, right out of school, I said, well, I'm just going to freelance. That sounds great. You get paid per article or you you know, you know, go on a trip and you get paid in food and drink. That sounds wonderful. Um, so I started a freelance career and I literally had a side hustle before it was called a side hustle. And I just carried on, on this parallel path pretty much. I thankfully, you know, vacations, nights, weekends, I was... Do you want to cover this restaurant opening? Yes, I do. Would you like to go to Atlantic City to see about the new hotel opening? Why? Sure, I. That yes, sounds I great. Um, so you know, there was a lot of those sorts of things happening. That you know, sometimes even particularly when I was younger, I took vacation and like went on whatever trip to take a story assignment. So, um, and it was funny throughout my career when I was hired for another wealth management job, I'd always say, "I just want you to know." I do this on the side. It's, I'm not covering finance in any other way. It's, there's no conflict. Um, and, it, and it really only helps my discussions in the family office space because what do people connect over? All of those things. So, And that just kind of has grown over the years. Um, and in the new role at Crane Currency, it's, it's a part of what we cover. So travel is actually some of the best top performing content articles that we have to date. Oh. Because I think it's universal. And I think to your yeah. point earlier, we could talk luxury travel and then we could also talk about budget travel and um, just the concept of travel and going new places. I mean, it's something that everybody can relate to, uh, which is why I think it does so well. Um, yeah, yeah. And I just sheer I love of it. Oh, I sheer, agree. sheer love of exploring and learning and, and having a new adventure. And I just really love to eat. So. <laughs> Those two yeah. things go hand in hand. <laughs> yeah. Favorite food? Ooh, I'd say my favorite cuisine style is Mediterranean. Mm -hmm. um, Italian leading the pack, but uh, I mean, Greek, Turkish, you know, any, any sort of that style of food. Um, I'm a big meat lover, so I do love a really well done steak. 
Um, but I'm somebody who kind of eats a little bit of everything, uh, trying to keep health conscious, um, but also never sacrificing flavor because life's short. So, right. <laughs> you don't have to eat a lot of it. One of my friends right uh, today, she's in uh, Italy, she's in Sicily. And I just don't forget to have a cannoli every day because I think oh, their cannolis are phenomenal. Just so just, thanks to 23andMe, I'm also Sicilian. I thought I was only Calabrian, but also Sicilian. You're welcome. You're, uh, and now that means maybe you can make the cannolis. I'm not a baker. I can cook. <laughs> Come to my house. I will make you a meal that you'll never forget. And if you want some dessert, Phil has Very to good. make it. Oh, yeah, Phil has to it. make it? Okay. All right. All right. Okay, so let's go destinations. Favorite favorite places to go. And let's start with favorite places you've been, I guess. Okay, I was going to ask, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I have my wish list, too, that I have. Yeah, we're going to go to that, too. Places I go back to, I mean, Italy, Greece, without a doubt, absolutely love it. You know, in the Caribbean, that's something that's close. We, I'm based in New York, so things like um, the U.S. Virgin Islands are always great. I'm taking a trip to Nevis in February, which has been on my list. So that'll be cool. I've spent the last five plus years spending more time traveling throughout the US. I think COVID was a wake up call to say, I don't have to get on an airplane to go to Europe, which Lord knows I love that. But we became big uh, road trip families. So we've done a lot of road trips, which oh. I have many thoughts on how to do that in the best fashion without sacrificing you know, good food and making sure you think through stopovers and things like that. But I mean, places like New Orleans, Rock My World. I love San Francisco. It's one of the best food cities I've ever been to. You know, I, we live very close to New England now. We're in the North Fork of Long Island. And just spending a lot of time in New England is always amazing. Uh, and one of the places I went to that I thought was going to be overhyped, and I wound up going for my second honeymoon. Don't laugh when I say that. But I went to Hawaii. And Kauai was one of the most special places I've ever seen. I mean, the topography is blow your mind. I didn't yeah. know where I was. I mean, the seafood, unreal. And I had some preconceived notions that it was like, oh, honeymoony, um, but it was unreal. And then I've spent some time in Bali. That was amazing. Mm. And I really travel for wine as well. So, you know, all over France, um, Provence is beautiful. And I am part Scottish and Irish, and I love traveling to both of those places. I will prioritize the food in Ireland over Scotland's food. Uh, yeah, but I agree. Both places are just absolutely gorgeous. And my sister and her wife got married in Scotland four years ago. And that was just a beautiful experience, also kind of coupled with our heritage. So, But there's so many places to go that it's never, you can't ever take them all off your list. No, I think that that's, I would echo that. I think. John and I have found a passion traveling by ship. I share and this passion. <clears throat> so we've been doing, I think we've been on about 25 ships. And one of my best friends, James Tagliani, that's from Staten Island, another one who said, oh, you'll get to see where I'm from and why I left. He, it's just so funny. You all say almost the same <laughs> thing, you know, and, it's, it's just, and yet when we were, and we were in Italy with him, we went, from Barcelona, which I loved Spain. I really oh. fell in love with Barcelona. And I mentioned Barcelona. That's one of the best food cities, hands down. Oh, my God. The food was off the chart. Yeah. Unreal. It, all kinds of it, like different ethnicities within Spain, the different mm -hmm. flavors. A lot of fish, which I loved the fish. 
uh, we went to Mini Menorca. So the ship took us to Mini Menorca Set, which is this little island in France. Bendal, another island, which I loved Bendal. Set was cute. It's it's like canals, but I think Venice is, you know, a little more picturesque. And then um, we went to Saint-Tropez. And then from there, we went to Trapani, which was beautiful. It's what, they make salt, right? Mm-hmm. And then we went to Malta. I've been, yes. Valletta. That's a kick in the head. I know. I I was speechless. Like, no. there was a woman walking down the street who I said to John, who do you think that could be? Could have been you. She was walking down the street. She's in this off-white dress, summer dress, huge cufflinks. Like, it was some fantastic designer dress. And it kind of poofed out a little. She had eight-inch stilettos on. Oh. And I think they were like... <laughs> Oh, I don't know. I, I forget which designer they were. They were just, everything about her was perfect. Her Hermes bag, the scarf, her hat. She had a big hat on, big sunglasses. And as she walked, she walked kind of with a slow gait on the cobblestone streets. Oh, it was my. 104 degrees. She wasn't sweating. People parted around her to let her through. So what did we do? We followed her because we got through the crowd. Naturally. And I was like, this would be Kristen. I swear to God, she's related somehow. It's got to be a relative of hers. <laughs> Mine is the stilettos. I couldn't do that anymore. Woof. No. Well. Would have broken my face. Um, it's funny you say that because I'm watching Succession. I'm almost done. Yeah. And I can't believe I hadn't watched it prior. I started it and then something about the first episode irked me. And then I, then I was like, well, this is ridiculous that living this in the industry that we're in, how right. do I not watch the show? Um, and we actually just recently wrote a piece on stealth wealth, which I feel like succession just nails it, right? Everybody's dressed from head to toe, obviously very unassuming clothing, but just so well done. But the thing to talk about Malta, there's the scene when they're on this big, on they're on the mega yacht and um, Shiv, the character is just, I was like, whatever she's wearing, I want. And it's so elegant and understated and put together, but not overly fussy. I was like, this is, mm-hmm. this is where I live now. And I'm, I'm a big pattern gal in the summer, but as I age, I gravitate towards more of the classics and they nail it on that show. I love it. Love it. I, but well, I don't do well with the big hat. I think it's because I have a small face. <laughs> but I thought it was also interesting you picked Hawaii because it's one of my favorite spots too. Like across the U.S., John's originally from Florida. I'm from the Rocky Mountains. I'm from Wyoming, yeah. Colorado. So you know, like Jackson, Wyoming is one of my favorite places on the planet because it's. Can you take me there? Because I haven't been. Oh, okay. We need to go there. It's okay. And then, Done. I think you're right. I I think California, like Sonoma and Napa, are stunning parts yeah, yeah. of California. Then Hawaii is a very special place. Like it doesn't make sense. Like you don't think you're in America. Why is it part of the U.S.? And you're just kind of like, oh, it's just not. I mean, but it's amazing. We had friends that lived there, right, and and worked there, and one of them owned an ice cream shop. And he was so funny because Alan Man used to say, like, people walk in and go. We need U.S. postage. Where do we go? Now, he was next to a post office with a U.S. flag. And he'd say, you need to go to the next town over. Because he thought, if you're that dumb, you really shouldn't. <laughs> or they'd come in and they'd say, what body of water is that out there? Is that a lake? And he'd go, 
that's the Pacific. And then and there he was in Maui and he'd look over and see Kauai and he's like, Is that Japan? I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> so, but I think you're right. I think Hawaii is very uh there's some spiritual level there. It's like you feel this energy. It's mystical. I I mean, I just remember filming. I try not, I'm given what I do for a living. And then, you know, obviously I'm writing about certain things. I'm taking photos Mm -hmm. and I actually wrote about our honeymoon. So I I try to walk this line of taking photos and documenting things, but also being in the moment. And it's a hard line to walk, but I remember just driving through, Phil was driving, I was not driving and just, just trying to videotape the trees (laughs) because you look like you're in this like mystical forest. Right. And it was unreal. So I'd like to go back to Hawaii and explore more. I, I think I haven't even scratched the surface. And the culture is, is really interesting as well. Obviously, the food and just how the islands are so different. And, and just obviously what's been going on with Maui, we need to support it even more. Yes, but exactly. Yeah. And I, I really did. I, I was snobby about Hawaii pr- prior to going. I was like, oh, I'm, I've been to Bali. Why would I go to Hawaii? Right? What an awful person i am um but then when i went it, it just was so eye-opening so i'd love to go back i think tahiti's similar mm. you know all the uh, the the polynesian culture there's something yeah. very rich about the polynesian culture and south pacific i i spent a lot of time in the south pacific so that i i really love the the south pacific and and hawaii is a much easier place to go and there's not as many mm. bugs that's the other thing did you notice there's not as many bugs as the Caribbean? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, absolutely. So tell me about how, what are the things that we should know about luxury travel that you've learned? What are some of the tricks? Uh, my top t- thing is that travel um, advisors are still very important. I think uh, that we're like living in a do-it-yourself travel space. Everybody thinks they could find the deal, even luxury travel, right? People think that they can just book it directly or what have you. There's still nuances to these things that travel agents really have the experience. They've been there. They understand. They have the connections. I mean, never underestimate a good connection in travel, hands down. So I think I utilize a couple of things. I mean, I'm not of the ultra high net worth myself. So I'm not, if I go to luxury travel, it's um, probably because someone was kind enough to invite me. But if I wasn't there, there are things of, you know, you want to be connected with the right people. You want to get professionals opinions. You want to know what's safe, what makes sense, what's easy to do. I think the big thing about travel is, especially if you haven't been somewhere, how do you get around, right? So what are your options? Do you want to plop down on a resort or are you going on a cruise where things are taken care of for you? Is that sort of the decision you want to make? Or if you're going somewhere else and you're doing more of a do-it-yourself experience, how do you get around? I think transportation is like the biggest piece of it. Huge. Especially if you're in Europe, Asia, wherever you're going, like that's a big piece. And travel agents can really help with those sorts of things. So I feel like that's a big piece of like, don't underestimate the travel agent. I've interviewed a couple of luxury travel agents and they are on it and they really know their stuff and you know they'll say things like you know just don't go here but go there and their kids club is you know x y and z and you want to be here because it's connected or the the shorter travel distance from the airport to there like things you just wouldn't know um unless you've been somewhere so i think that's really important 
The other thing I like to do where I sort of mix that expert knowledge, but it's also, I mean, social media is good for travel. If you're looking for restaurants, if you're looking for, you know, you could follow influencers that are based in the region. So you sort of get a feel for what the experience is like prior to going. I mean, leverage social media for things like that. That's the good, right? You know, if you're going to Tuscany, for example, follow a couple people there, see where they're going, look at the local restaurants. And um, and then that way, when you get to a place, you're able to say like, well, I thought of these places. What do you think? Mm. Love and that. I think the other thing with travel, and it's just a personal thing, like, are you that hotel person? Are you the hotel diehard? Do you like the Airbnb world we're living in? I think there's a lot of choices now. So you kind of have to decide what's your sort of travel profile. How do you want to travel? What's your experience? I was just <laughs> so <laughs> I am a hotel gal through and through. There's a place for us for Airbnbs, but I will say I almost lean more towards you know going to a, a hotel that has a condo or has a, a you know a kitchenette or whatever. That's just because we're traveling with young kids now. But right. um, I still feel like when you need it, the hotel has your back and there's safety, food, transportation. Like there's always connectivity with a hotel. You're really truly on your own when you're at, when you're doing some sort of home rental. But there's a real time and a place for that. In my opinion, you know, beach vacations, you're going to go with a bunch of people down to Hilton Head. Um, you're going to go to uh, the kids in Orlando and you can get a Airbnb right near Disney World or whatever the, or you're going on a ski trip and you know, you're in, Oh yeah. You're in Colorado and you just want a big house that's near a ski. Like th that's when I really see the value in home rentals. But then there's others that completely disagree with me. My sister is Airbnb all the way all the time. So it just really kind of depends on what your profile is and how much you want to do it yourself versus have help. I err on the side of liking to have help. Well, and I, I was in New York a couple weeks ago and I stayed at the Knickerbocker, which is this great little hotel. Oh yeah. No, I well. loved it. It was really cool. And it's if you remember several weeks ago, there was a rainstorm mm -hmm. and I was leaving on the Friday and I came out. It was buckets. I don't think I've ever seen it rain like that. And I'm thinking to myself, self, this is when you should have really set up the car service early. I didn't. So I'm looking at Uber. It's two hundred and twenty five dollars to LaGuardia. I'm like, I'm not doing that. And so there were no cabs. There was nobody on the street. There was a couple buses that went by. And oh the my. doorman came over and said, Mr. Volk, I will get a cab here. It'll take about five to 10 minutes. I'll be right back out. Let me come out. He came back out and said, you'll see one in five minutes. And all of a sudden this cab pulls up and the guy's like, mm -hmm. are you just, and I'm like, yeah. And it's, a, and so we go to the airport and I'm thinking to myself. So, and I gave the doorman $20 because I was like, this isn't, I should have given him a hundred if I'd known what was really going on, but I hadn't really thought about how bad it was going to get. And I got to the airport. Our flight actually left within 15 minutes. But I kept thinking on wow. the way to the airport, like, look at all that water. It seems higher than it should be. I was just like, <laughs> but oh my, my brain didn't kick it. But again, the hotel, the doorman had my back. And then also security. The night before I came back early or late and the doorman came out because there was this whole group of people walking by and he guarded me against these people. It was really odd. And he said, just please step in. Interesting. And so I wonder, I think your point is very well taken. I think there might be places 
that you go that the Airbnb is good. But sometimes there's nothing to be there. You, if you stayed in really nice properties, the staff typically have been there a long time. They know so much about how to get anything done, right? That's one of the keys. The concierge, priceless. I mean, I was just going to say concierge, concierge, concierge. That's it. And That's I'm, it. I'm not unaware of what my stature is. I'm a petite woman. I always want, and I've Only traveled all over. Only by size. Only by size. My heart is enormous. But I've traveled all over the world by myself too. But in safety, I've always thought of that. I mean, born and oh, wow. bred in New York City, you know, thanks to Staten Island and Brooklyn. I, uh, I watch my back. No matter where you are in the world, you have to. And you can't be a clueless traveler. I think that's a big piece of it. Okay. Know where you are. Don't have your friggin' cell phone out all the time. You know, it's particularly like if you, where you are in different parts of the world. But you have to be aware. And that's why I do like the hotel, right? Because someone is inherently looking out for you. More so if you're you're going into a home alone or and God forbid, listen, people get robbed. You can get robbed in a hotel, but someone's gonna help you in a hotel. If you're in an Airbnb, you're on your own. So I do think of those things in the world we're living in of of safety. And I I'll tell a quick story. I was uh, a couple of years ago for after I got married, I bought uh, my husband Phil a trip to Paris. We're like, we'll do a weekend in Paris. I got some great flight deal. I think it was two hundred ninety nine dollars JFK to Paris, and there were the riots happening. And literally, we're staying right by the U.S. Embassy at a fancy hotel right next to all the beautiful, very expensive shops. And we were literally on a list because the area in Paris was guarded off with with um, policemen, with you know, very oh. scary looking policemen. And um, we were staying at the Sofitel, and we were on a little list. And they said, "Okay, Miss Miss Sullivan, <laughs> I go by my my legal name is not my married name." And um, I'm sorry, my legal name is not my professional name. So they call me Miss Oliveri, but that's not my married name. Right. Side story. Right. They said whatever name I had on the paper and they let us in and we were literally escorted into the hotel and they're like, okay, these are the places you can go. These are the places you can't go. We recommend this. The embassy is here. Um, and you're like, okay, I'm glad we're staying here. <laughs> wow. Excuse me, excuse me. Yes, you. Thanks so much for listening to The Rainbow Bull. We hope you're enjoying it so far. And if you have any questions or would like to talk more about this topic, you can find us at www.tvolco.com. And all our social media platforms are listed in the show notes. So so that's a really, so of the top three tips, no, be aware Safety is the utmost on your mind, right? I think so. Should be. And especially if you're in a place you don't know, having staying in a hotel can be very, very valuable. Yeah. And then, I mean, on a fun, I felt like that seems heavy. Yeah, right. Sorry. <laughs> on a fun aspect, I do think doing homework, social media research, and getting a feel for your destination prior can help because I I sort of live in between being really organized and still wanting to be spontaneous at the same time, particularly when I travel. Right. So I like to schedule, okay, we, we're going to like, what are the top things I want to do? What are the top places I want to eat? And I pick a handful and then everything else I want to have that ability to say, 
hey, that cafe down the, the, the street looks really adorable and we should decide to go in. But I think sometimes doing some of that homework, the social media homework, or, or talking to friends that have traveled to the region prior, you kind of get a little bit of that educated spontaneity, if you will. And you can say, okay, well, a friend of mine, Tim was just in Malta and he suggested these three restaurants. And you're like, maybe I can't make all three, but if we happen by this one. Um, so I think there's a lot of that piece, but I, I do a lot of pre-trip prep. Very valuable. Another tip. I would also say that the traveling by ship is also one of the benefits is the safety and soundness mm-hmm. of the ship. So they've also vetted things. They also do an awareness of things. Um, I think when we're traveling with some of our friends where they're older or have mobility issues, the ships are wonderful with that yeah. because they, they can accommodate that mobility piece with either car services that are vetted when you get into the market or bus tours, coach tours or whatever. And they are are used to handling some of that. So I thought that was really an interesting piece. Uh, And the smaller ships are a little more high touch, much, much more high. I love small ship luxury cruising. And I think it's a great value. I was just going to say, it's actually I wouldn't call it budget if we're going on one of the ones that you and I have been on, but you get a lot from what it is. You don't realize how many times, I mean, eating out of breakfast just racks it up. And if you can kind of take away those variables and having entertainment built in most of your meals, you have the opportunity and flexibility to eat elsewhere, but you do save a lot of money. And the thing that I love, I've cruised Azamara a lot. It's the ability to, to spend a lot of time in a destination, which is what that's the negative that people say about cruising, right? You go into a yeah. port. I was only, I'm there for five hours on an itinerary and I'm zipping back to the ship and I can't see, well, you know, I don't see it at nightfall. I don't have right. a cocktail or whatever. Um, but the small ships are able to get into ports you don't have access to otherwise. Right. You could, some of them park overnight, depending on your itineraries. Right. You get such an immersion there. Um, I did an Osmara cruise from Singapore to Bali and that was, Unreal. And that was my first time really spending any time in Asia. And that was just such an experience. And I had the local experience with the ship experience, which was so cool. Yeah, I would think I I would echo that. I also think the ships, many of the people there have been to the ports. A lot of times the cruise directors have been in the So if you want to do something different, they can also help you with some of that. But also the transfer, again, transfers to and from the airports, arranging hotel stays. If you're going to stay in a market and you can't figure out what hotel, they vetted the hotels. They know what their preferred partners are. So I think that, and also sometimes airfare, they, they've already pre-booked, oh, yeah. they've already pre-booked the plane. So there's another way to save, because sometimes right, like right now to Europe is crazy money. I know. Airfare, right? I mean, what about, you know, if you're traveling as a woman or traveling LGBTQ or any any thoughts around that right now that that you've got concerns on or or positive things to think about, like I think you need to know where you're going, your destinations, depending on who you are and what you're doing. Like, do, do, is it a smart choice for you? Given the line of work I'm in, I have connections that are friends that do private security for wealthy families. And I just was with one actually having drinks recently and we were talking about where to travel to and where not to, and sort of having this similar conversation. And he goes, 
I said, so where would you tell me not to go to today? And he goes, you're not going to like it. And I said, oh, okay, well, give it to me. And he goes, do not go to Mexico. And, uh, you know, he went on to list many reasons. And I mean, this guy is really extremely reputable. Um, and he goes, it's just, just not safe. No matter where you're going, if you are an American, it is, he's like, um, he was like, Colombia is safer than Mexico at the moment. Um, and, and then we were with a friend having a drink and he goes, well, what about this part of Mexico? Right. Or what about this part of Mexico? And he's like, nope, 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 nope. Do not go to Mexico. And, um, this is coming from someone who's been all over Mexico. I've spent yeah. so much time in Mexico. I love it. I have a very oh, fun Mexico. story about Cabo once we can get to that. But, um, he was just really saying it, it, it. He does not believe it to be safe at the moment, which is heartbreaking. Um, and hopefully that changes. But that's something that's kind of on my radar. And I mean, similarly, years ago, it was probably almost a decade ago. I was going to Argentina with my sister, and a friend in the same uh, line of work said to me, um, "Never have your cell phone out at a table at a restaurant in an airport in Argentina. They're holding people up at gunpoint for iPhones." Um, and I said, I hear it loud and clear. And then the second piece of advice was transportation. He goes, I, and he actually was able to name a couple of companies, but he's like, go through the hotels, go to the four seasons, ask them what transport, book them ahead of time. Um, and I was traveling with my sister and a friend of hers who were both in the travel industry at the time. I think they thought I was being a slight alarmist. Um, and I said, I really think that this is important. This is a friend, you know. Anyway, we did that. We had no problems there. We followed what he was suggesting. So we were smart travelers. We weren't looking to get into any yeah. trouble. And after coming back, I had heard one trip, a story of a journalist friend of mine who was held up at gunpoint. And my sister had somebody just literally within the span of two months after coming back. So um, I would check out your destination right? See where you're going. Does it make sense? Um, you know, what's the social climate at the moment and, and think those things through. And even if you decide to go, um, like right now, when they're telling Amer Americans, we really shouldn't be traveling abroad period with no, everything that's right. going on That's right. in Israel and Palestine. And it's like, well, you know, people are going to be traveling abroad, that's but right. think about it. Where are you going? Is it safer than, you know, you just have to sort of think of those things. Um, I think that's important. We had arranged transportation through the hotel, like you recommended. Uh, some of the people that were traveling on the same ship that were staying in our hotel had called American Express to and they had arranged this really cool five star restaurant at a place. They had gone to the restaurant. They thought they had called for their car, asking the restaurant to have the car brought around. The restaurant told them to go around the corner. They were attacked. Oh my God. It was an older couple. He never recovered. He was in state of shock the whole trip. He was, they took his, he, they were wearing, I think he was wearing like a $100,000 watch or something. And she was wearing a lot of jewelry and it was an older couple. They're very nice, but she was really, they were really taken back by what happened. And um, I think even Amex got involved with the restaurant because yeah. the restaurant, the maitre d' tipped off everything. And that's where, you, again, you just don't know. I think having things that are vetted is very important right now, particularly for our, some of our older members, but even for some of the younger people that we're just not thinking of that we're at risk because we're young. Well, not me, but anymore. But okay, what what was the story you're going to tell us about Cabo? Because I want to go back to that real quick. What what happened in Cabo? 
I was on a press trip writing about, it was, I believe it was through the Cabo Tourism Board, a couple of journalists, there's only four of us, a friend, one of the journalists who's now actually on Top Chef Canada, a friend of mine, Mijun, um, she was just dying to do more things than the itinerary had been set up for, what have you. And we're there and we wind up getting pitched a restaurant opening called Rock and Brews, owned by um, Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons of Kiss. And turns out they were literally in Cabo the same time we were there. They were opening one of their franchises in Cabo and they were inviting journalists to go attend it. And we weren't supposed to go to this because we were on an itinerary and doing other things. And my friend um, wisely said, this is like a not to be missed opportunity for us journalists. And she made the case and they agreed. Um, So I was able to interview both Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons. And here's where Staten Island comes back into play, Tim. Um, I did, we were literally told maybe 12 hours before we were interviewing them one-on-one. We weren't in a group. There was no press conference. Like I got a chance to sit down with both of them for 10 minutes. So the four of us were kind of, oh my God, what do you say to these iconic humans that are also um, probably quite eccentric? You know, what kind of question list do you uh, come up for it? And they're obviously there to promote their restaurant. So we were thinking through things and um, I'd found them the quick internet research that they're both from New York City, in and around New York City. And um, so I was like, that's a bond, right? We're, we're New Yorkers. I figured I could lead with that. And um, so I said to Paul Stanley, so I'm a born and raised New Yorker, born in Brooklyn. I grew up in Staten Island. And he went, Staten Island. My first love of my life was from Staten Island. And he leans over the table and holds my hand and tells me this beautifully thoughtful story about how he was Jewish and she was Italian. And there was kind of like this Romeo and Juliet thing. And they were in love with each other. And he said, you know, it never worked mm-hmm. out, but I always think of her. And he was the nicest guy, um, but an incredible moment. And I just thought, oh my goodness. But then he held my hands. It was very, it was like a long pause with the hand. Um, but one of those moments I won't forget. And then I go to Gene, who was like the opposite of him. And Gene thought he was interviewing me. He was one of those ah. people that like wanted to put me in the hot seat, make me think. And I, I clearly wasn't prepared for that after the handholding. And um, <laughs> he said to me, what would you do with 24 hours left to live? <laughs> and I, um, I had nothing cute or funny or even thoughtful to say about that. I, I honestly, at this point, think I blanked out. I don't remember what I said. And I said to him, wait a second. And I like kind of recouped and I said, I'm the one asking the questions. What would you do with 24 hours left to live? And he went, and that's, I think that's what he was trying to get at. I don't know, but he goes, you know, I don't know. I'd write something. I make my mark, but I never forgot either one of those. He didn't make his mark because he had. I was yeah. like, I think because he had. <laughs> <laughs> and the best part of that story is both of them are well over six foot. I think Paul Stanley's six two, Gene Simmons is six four, six five. Yeah. And I took photos with both of them. And the height disparity is a kick in the head. <laughs> like they're hugging me like I'm a long lost relative. Um and that was one of the the most spontaneous moments of travel and a cool career move at the same time. And you know, Cabo's won a place in my heart for that one. You uh Oh my God, the stories. 
I'll text you. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. I want to see the photo. Send me the photo. Okay. I'm going to ask some questions now. Rapid fire questions. Sure. Okay. How do you cope with your food allergies when you travel? So I, I often avoid gluten ever since pregnancy. I've kind of eaten too much gluten. Uh, I do a lot of prep. I try to look to places ahead of time. Um, but I also go back to my Mediterranean diet sort of thing. I know what to avoid. Okay. Right. So like, just lean in. If you're in Spain, eat a lot of the the cured meats and the potatoes and what have you, or if I'm in Italy, um, Italy, fun fact, there are so many people with celiac disease in Italy that um, they, they're very accommodating. So if you ask for gluten-free pasta, they normally have it. Um, so I, I think it's planning, um, knowing where you're going, sometimes prepping, um, and then back to our earlier point of concierge. What areas will you avoid if you travel? Any? Do you have any specific places you will not go or things you will not do when you travel? Probably right now is just I wouldn't go to Mexico. Um, what do I not do? I try not to do anything that's too uh, daredevil-ish. I, in the, I've gone skydiving. I've done some things. I, I've it, Bobsledding. I've done bobsledding in the Park City, Utah Olympic. So there's a couple of things I've done in my life that are a little bit more daredevil-esque. I probably wouldn't do that anymore. We were John. We, we, we did one time we rented scooters in Bermuda, which doesn't sound like it would be a bad thing. But, but it could be. But you're on the you know, you're driving on the right hand side. We're in a place we don't know any place. We don't know it. And we're on scooters, which we normally don't drive. What could possibly go wrong? We almost died several times. And and it becomes even to this day, like when we were in Barcelona, they're like, you know, you can rent scooters. I'm like, no, not going to happen. Not uh, renting rollerblades. We're not doing skateboards. We're not. I just stuff like that. I mean, I've been in helicopters. I don't think I'm going in a helicopter again. I've done it. I've been over the Dolomites once. I've been over uh, Niagara Falls. Beautiful. But after Kobe Bryant, I might not do helicopters anymore. So, I, you know, those are things I think that I've just, I don't need to. That's I'd rather fine. meet new people and have more experiences and eat something really delicious. So what what is something that you pack or that you take with you when you travel that we would be surprised about? Oh, surprised about um, or, or something that we would think like, is there something you always take with you? That... I always have a scarf for the plane. I mean, uh, even COVID, I'm always keeping this warm because I just feel like planes are you're going to catch it. I I mean, you always want to travel with any sort of immediate medicine and you want it on your person. And then I always travel with a bathing suit, even if it's somewhere that I think I'm not going. This was my mother's going to get credit for this one. Who she was a teacher and a travel agent. Um, she always said, "You never know when there's going to be a pool." So I always bathing suit. Oh my god, that's true. Uh, thoughts on how to travel well as a group? Because I know plan, you just plan, recently plan. went. Yeah, you took the family, your in laws, your family, <laughs> your parents, and you all went. How many was that? That's eight? it was. And we took my parents' best friends. It was uh, eight adults, two kids. It was, I was planning that for six months. Going back to concierge, we paid up for transportation. That was my big thing. Pay for transportation, wine tours. We did it, transportation to and from the airports. They picked us up. And when I said, we need to stop, I need to get my mortadella sandwich before we get into the car, they obliged. When our kids had a panic attack and we had to pull over, go to the bathroom after we just went, they still did it. So transportation was a big thing. Um, planning. And then one very quick story is one of our, um, 
drivers on the wine tour happened to also be a sommelier. We booked them through, you know, a food wine group. And he says to my husband, is this your wife on Instagram? And he pulls up my page on Instagram and he goes, yeah, that's Kristen. He goes, oh, I follow her. <laughs> so then I said, well, I'm obviously very big here in Italy, but that's that's the only place I'm big at. Is that the only place? Yeah. I know Tuscany is one of your favorite places, right? Absolutely. We what got married you, there. What would you say about Tuscany? I think people think Tuscany's one note and it's so multidimensional. I think there's so many different, like, I mean, from outside of Florence to Rigello to like on the other side to Montalcino, like it's just completely different. The topography is different. The wine being produced there is different. The cuisine to an extent is different. The other thing I love about Tuscany is you can have different experiences. Uh, what I love, which I think is so sweet about that region, Vitaly is like it's the home of the agriturismo, right? These sort of smaller family run, I wouldn't necessarily call them B&Bs, but kind of have that feel. Yeah. They make you breakfast all the time. You can eat in their little restaurant. You see their organic garden down the road. Um, they grow their own grapes for you know everything. Um, they produce their own wine and olive oil. Those places are really special. And then to an extent with luxury, you can stay at um, you know luxury properties. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of Salvatore Ferragamo's properties, Il Boro and Viesca. We've, I've stayed in Viesca and um, seen his other properties throughout Tuscany and Florence. Those are special. Um, and you met him? I met him many times. I'm actually interviewing him later this week. He's, he's a close industry colleague. And? He's not hard on the eyes. <laughs> I was waiting for the rest of that. Didn't you say you were in the room? That the the kids and the your husband Phil's next door. Phil Manor, parents, yeah. Everybody else next door, but you had to, you were in another room with him sitting there going, "Oh my god!" And he's just so genuinely nice and thoughtful, and like a Renaissance person. They just a joy to be around. And then I had to introduce him to my husband, so that's okay. <laughs> oh my god, I love it. Um, so that's it. I think we're we're out of time. I don't know if there's something else that. Um, we should have talked about maybe, you know, could, do you think that luxury travel is sustainable? I don't know. I'm working on a piece of that right now. Um, I think there are companies that sort of focus on sustainable travel. There are eco resorts places well, like El Boro. They have a very low mm -hmm. carbon footprint and that's a big thing for them. Um, I think they say that they're carbon neutral. Um, so there are properties trying to do the right thing. So I think to a degree, um, there's a there's a piece of that there, but you know if you get on your private jet to get there, I know that's is that sustainable. So um, yeah. I, I think there's a lot of nuances to that question, but I'm actually writing an article, so I'll have oh, to so say, share it yeah. with you. Yeah, I'd love to see the article. What's where are the next places for you? What's on your bucket list? So we're doing Nevis, so that's actually happening. Mm -hmm. um, for me, the three places that I'd love to do: Japan, mm -hmm. Amsterdam, and Costa Rica. I don't know if I'll get to any of them anytime soon, just with the little kids. And I think you need time in all of those destinations. But uh, Japan has been on my list for years. Um, I'm just so fascinated by the food and culture, and I, I'd love to get there. And then in terms of my road trips, I want to spend more time in the national parks. Dinah spend more time in the Smoky Mountains. And um, don't laugh, but on my list as well is to visit Dollywood. You are divine. Thank you, my dear. <laughs> oh, my God. I love this conversation. 
And I hope everybody else has too. And if they want to find you, how do we find you, Christian? How, how if they want to follow you, they yeah, want to hear what you're saying. Uh, at Instagram at Chris Oliveri, um, at Crane Currency is our, our page there on LinkedIn. And then you can also follow me on LinkedIn at Kristen Oliveri. Thank you guys. Patrice. Well, Tim, how can people get you? And and oh, oh Kristen, you gotta give me that sauce recipe you were promising, Tim. Oh, I'll send it around. It'll blow your mind. <laughs> okay, Tim, how can people reach you? Please, everybody, feel free to reach out to me. I'm here for you, Tim.volk at tvolko.com. And of course, my phone number 312-636-5855. Please feel free to call. We'd love to hear from you. And if you have any thoughts on what we should talk about next, I'd love to hear that too. So thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Christian. Thank you, Tim. All right, everyone. Follow, subscribe, share, and thanks for being with us. Thank you for listening to the Rainbow Bull Podcast. Visit our website at www.tvolco.com or give us a call at 312-636-5855. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of T. Volk and Company Consulting. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.